So welcome, friends, to another installment of a Primary Health Network podcast series. I'm joined today by Sherry Reinhardt, who's the President and Chief Executive Officer of the Pennsylvania Association of Community Health Centers. Sherry, it's a joy to welcome you to our podcast today. Thank you, Dr. Garrow. It's always a pleasure to see you. Thank you. So, Sherry, we asked you to come and talk with us today about health centers, community health centers, um, specifically to try to help our listeners, our friends in the community understand how vital community health centers are to the communities that we serve. So let's sort of talk in the big picture. What's a community health center? Yeah, if I had a dollar for every time I was asked that, <laughs> um, community health centers, also known as federally qualified health centers or FQHCs, all mean one and the same, have been around for over 50 years. And there are still too many people who don't know that we exist or what we are. I like to use the FQHC as a little mnemonic to explain what makes us different. The F is fees based on ability to pay. So you go to any community health center in Pennsylvania or in the nation. And um, if you, depending what your income is, the, the fee may be slid so that you can afford care. The Q is quality health care for all, with the emphasis on the quality and the all. Every community health center contributes data to what's called the Uniform Data System, or UDS. It's publicly available by individual health center, so you can see their track record. And our doors are open to all. The only place in the healthcare system other than the emergency department that can say that. And we're very proud of that. The H is highly competent health professional team. We really aim to be a one-stop healthcare home to meet your medical, your behavioral, your vision, your dental, and your other healthcare needs. And then the C in FQHC is what really distinguishes us, and that's community slash consumer control. Every community health center in Pennsylvania and in the nation has a patient majority board, a consumer majority board, and that's to keep us true to the communities and people that we serve. That, that's wonderful. Why would a community health center even need to exist in a community, and why would patients choose to come to a community health center? I think the main reason is, is access to healthcare. Our mission is access to affordable quality healthcare for everyone. Um, and there are a lot of people who do not have easy access and um, we are the door that's unlocked to access the healthcare system and meet your healthcare needs. And that's whether you're poor or whether you're young or whether you're old, whether you have private insurance, whether you've lost your insurance, even because of COVID, um, we are here for everyone. So what impact does a community health center have on the community at large? Uh, jobs, um, resources, what other sorts of things when a community health center is present in the community, what other things do they bring to the table? Yeah, certainly their employers and local employers and often in um, communities that most need um, business and most need job opportunity. We contribute in Pennsylvania well over 500 million to local economies across the nation, obviously much, much more than that. And if people are healthy, uh, they're, they're able to go to jobs, they're able to have a quality of life. The more people that you have that are healthy, the healthier your community is, the, the more vibrant your community is as well. Health centers, when they do what they do best, really can transform communities. 
I've seen health centers with intent go into very troubled neighborhoods. And um, I've seen those same health centers 10 years in existence with the neighborhood protecting this valuable asset and transforming the neighborhood because as other businesses see a health center thrive, they become more interested in having their business in those communities as well. You mentioned F part of an FQHC. Do community health centers rely on the federal government for support or funding? They get some help um, in the form of a, a federal grant, and they get what I would refer to as fairer uh, reimbursement for the primary care services that they offer, but a health center can't survive without strong community partnerships uh, and relationships. So no, they're not free clinics, and no, they don't aren't fully funded by the federal or state government. Yes, uh, they are strong community assets that um, the only reason any health center is thriving be is because of strong community partnerships. So I understand that the funding support that they do get, the part of the grants, periodically butts up against a deadline. Can you explain to me what impact this looming deadline has on the ability of health centers to care for our communities and our patients? Yeah, the federal grant support, what percentage that is of a, an individual health center's revenue varies greatly. Um, if you're a health center that's been around a long time, you know, like Primary Health Network is seeing a lot of Medicare, a lot of commercial insurance, um, in addition to people who are relying on the health center um, because they're living in poverty, you might have lower reliance. So, you know, maybe some health centers, it's 10% of their revenue. For some of our small rural health centers, it is a very significant portion of their revenue. And if they did not have uh, the federal grant, uh, they probably would not be in existence at all. Without the federal funding, it would be very difficult to serve those people who are uninsured, those people who need medications and can't afford them. That federal grant helps support many of the services. I know for example, that Primary Health Network in some of your locations offers transportation services um, because that, at least pre-COVID, <laughs> um, was important to be people being able to access care. The federal grant is important no matter what percentage of your budget it is. What can we do to advocate or to um, assure that all health centers are successful um, and specifically to advocate for the continuation of this funding source? I think letting your legislators know how important the funding is and not just the funding, but having uh, some long-term certainty. The last four or five cycles, we've had partial years and then you know maybe one year extension, which means you're, you're always uncertain about will you have it for next year. As a physician, you know that makes it much more challenging in um, especially in recruiting and retaining providers, but also the rest of your team that is also critically important. You employ a lot of people. Um, it's the, the people in the back office, the billing folks, IT folks, uh, receptionists, uh, care managers, quality nurse, um, and all of those folks rely on a, a steady salary. And when they get uneasy about funding and continued funding, that lack of certainty can uh, cause them to look elsewhere. We're looking for long-term funding 
and right now the federal funding is set to expire the end of November. If I were a betting person, I think it will be extended in a short-term basis until the transition um, either to a second term or a new administration, but we don't want to get lost in that transition either. You mentioned a moment ago COVID, and obviously coronavirus and the public health emergency has impacted all of us. Tell me, from your perspective, what you see, how have health centers responded to the presence of this pandemic? I have always been proud to serve and honored to serve our community of community health centers, never more so than during the pandemic. Not one of our health centers closed during the pandemic. We had some sites that were temporarily closed, but no organization closed all their sites. And our health centers did a very quick pivot to telehealth uh, as an option, which was not an option for them because of state and federal policy prior to the pandemic. Being able to walk that line of knowing when you need to see someone in person or when that person needs to be seen. Sometimes they, they just need that human contact. And when a visit uh, lends itself to telehealth it has been a quick learning curve, but one that I think that our, our health centers are, have made the transition very, very well and very quickly. I, I love that telehealth is helping address what we call the social determinants of health, poverty, housing, childcare, transportation. If I have a telehealth visit, I don't have to worry about whether I can catch a bus or get an Uber or get a friend or have a family member take off. I don't have to line up a babysitter for my child. I don't have to take off from work in a job that I probably don't have sick leave with and, and lose that income, I can just be present. And we're seeing the impact of that on outcomes and on the on actually following up and being present at visits. That's really wonderful. So in response to that, I, I'm really happy to pleased to be able to share with you some of the things that we're doing at Primary Health Network, specifically as it regards to, for example, the telehealth services. Because we serve patients who may be more vulnerable, maybe um, are less tech savvy, maybe don't have a smartphone or an iPad that they could use for a virtual visit, community health centers like Primary Health Network are looking at ways that we could further extend our outreach to the patients. Um, and we uh, have developed a team of community health workers, which are really peer individuals in the communities, and they'll kind of do a pre-visit uh, with someone who's scheduled for a telehealth visit. Do you have a phone? Do you have access to the technology so that the visit is meaningful? And if not, what can we do? How can we help to make sure that that visit occurs in a way that's valuable? We partner with other organizations to provide temporary access to an iPad or an iPhone. And community health workers take those out. We're looking at ways that we could send out a scale or a blood pressure cuff if we need to check vital signs or a temperature. As you described, the, our ability to access patients now using telehealth has really allowed us to overcome some of those social determinants, which previously may have been a barrier for them to access the care that they deserve and need. We're, we're continuing to look at ways to improve um, and to become better stewards of the resources that we've been given. And um, it's really, uh, you know, been a, a real learning opportunity and a learning experience to think creatively and differently on how we can actually reach people uh, when perhaps they need us more, now more than ever. 
Well, Sherry, I uh, thank you so much for taking this time to talk with us. Um, you're, you're obviously a wealth of knowledge and your passion for the mission of community health centers is quite obvious. And, and uh, I'm very, very grateful for all of the support that you and the Pennsylvania Association of Community Health Centers has provided to Primary Health Network and my uh, brothers and sisters that are serving in uh, community health centers really all across the state. As always, it's a, it's a real joy to work with you. Thank you so much, Dr. Gareth. And thank you, listeners. Uh, we appreciate the opportunity to visit with you and look forward to connecting with you again sometime soon. Have a great day.